time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here at the podcast. It's Monday, July 26, 2021. So many of you are listening to this live. I'm amazed at that. And I appreciate you taking time. We're just so grateful to have you as a listener. We spend a lot of time putting together podcasts that have great content. And again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. And today we've got a hot topic. Brent Chandler will be back with us from Form Free. Brent discussing the importance of capturing data, trust but verify the data, and then what that all means for the mortgage industry. So again, more vision casting for where we think things are going in the mortgage industry as it relates to aspects of it. So you're going to want to pay attention to the hot topic segment. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I did. I flew into Fargo, North Dakota, and it's so interesting. I grew up in North Dakota, so I hit the ground up there, and I all of a sudden start seeing the singy songy the Norwegian way up there. So yes, I'm 100% Norwegian, and we had a great time visiting family and friends. So if you hear me back in the yeah, our commitment that is bring you yeah, timely information in an audio format. Yeah, sure you betcha. Anyway, good to have you with us. Had a great vacation. So good to see our family up there. Anyway, I want to say thank you for the industry syndicate and all that they do. I was just talking to someone who listens to a number of the loan officer podcast in the industry syndicate website. Very popular, growing popularity. We're proud to be a part of industrysyndicate.com. Check out all the podcasts there. We have some great sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastra with their mortgage bot solution and robust features and what they can do and how they use or define the fields and work with this customized base. You got to check this out. It's a real positive, effective system for those that are looking to upgrade to something that is of the latest generation. Check out Finastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Some major developments going on there. Call them, talk to them about it, check them out. Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these organizations are co ops that create competitive advantages for lenders and their vendors. We've got the Lenders One Summer Conference coming up starting on August 8th, and we're going to be there through the 11th in Orlando. And then we know we have the Mortgage Collaborative Conference coming up, and I believe that's in September. So everyone's starting to get together. It's so good to see everybody. And they're starting to see posts of the different ones attending conferences and can't wait. We're so ready to get back together. I want to say also thank you to the Community Mortgage Lenders of America. They do a great job of helping independent mortgage bankers create competitive advantages. Also, they work with the MBA and having your voice heard, but another organization for independent mortgage bankers primarily. Also, Accelerate helps lenders close loans more rapidly through changing how lenders communicate and engage with borrowers. Listen to the interview we did with Josh Friend back on June 21st this year. Also, Knowledge Group, a great loading management system, as well as two really solid technologies, Mobility, MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, and Modex. Both of these have platforms for recruiting talent into your organization. We use both of them when advising and working with our clients. We're thrilled with them and you got to check out both of these, Mobility MMI as well as Modex. They're in our website 
in the advertiser section. I always want to say thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Welcome back to the Licking on Lending Hot Topic segment of the podcast. So excited to have Brent Chandler here, founder and CEO of Form Free. And we have a pre-recorded Hot Topic segment. And I'm excited to share it with you. Take it away, Brent. Brent Chandler, so good to have you back on the podcast, my friend. Wow, it's great to be back. It's hard to believe so much time's gone by since our last one, but... Just like yesterday. And what's so fun about your interviews, Brent, is they get downloaded like crazy. And I think a lot of it because of, number one, a value that you and I share. It's about people. It's about the consumers we're serving. And I know everything you do is built around that value and it's honoring them, building trust while providing truth, which we got into the other day and I can't wait to get into that. So I want to start right there where I'm kind of letting people in on a conversation you and I had preparing for this on a Tuesday and that was truth versus trust. I love that contrast. Talk about that. What does the truth versus trust mean? Yeah, no, I think it really has a lot of meanings, but for the sake of what we do. And when we entered into the business of capturing data, it became really apparent to me that the consumer was the common denominator in the loan. The consumer was the risk factor in the loan. And the consumer was what was really the important element to Mm -hmm. understanding whether or not a loan could be provided. And in the industry, there's an old Reaganomics statement, trust but verify. And while the village banker could have that relationship with you know, one of the villagers, there was a sense of trust. But when it comes to financial lending and risk, there's a, a huge level of accountability that comes with that level of trust. So verification became a natural state of collecting information and then verifying it. Well, after the crisis, of course, the pendulum swung extremely far. And what happened was not only were we verifying, but we were duplicating verifications and in some cases, try verifying. And the trust factor was out the window. Verification became essential. And what I discovered and what I proved with respect to the way that we were capturing data was that we were effectively capturing the book of record or what we call the source data. And that Mm -hmm. source documentation, which was untouched, unmanipulated by people and was absolutely dependable to the level of guarantee, was exactly what we were collecting and could provide on behalf of the consumer without the consumer touching or manipulating the data. So this eliminated the need to verify, which reduced cost, but also gave an absolute understanding of the KYC of the customer. So now risk could be ascertained and understood and then acted upon instantaneously, which led us to day one certainty and ultimately leads us to the end state, which is the non-fungible token on a blockchain in a smart contract. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Talk about non-fungible NFTs. It's something that I'm starting to hear more and more of getting used in a practical way. Talk about that for our listeners that might not be familiar with NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Effectively, it really derives its nature from what we're beginning to learn more and more about, which is with respect to cryptocurrencies and bitcoins and crypto kitties and all the real world tokens now that are becoming more and more broadly used. And the reality is that all of these things are applicable because of one common state, which is the source data. Knowing the source or the beginning of the information 
in each of these cases makes them unique. So the non-fungible token is effectively the last recorded data in a ledger, or in our case, on behalf of the consumer in a immutable data state that effectively represents Brent Chandler's financial DNA. And so that non-fungible token is literally a crypto token that represents the consumer's information that is the latest and most source data that's available. So it represents the truth. And so instead of people's information being floated all over in paper or in mailboxes or in PDFs and email or all over the ether in any way, shape or form, what you have is a, an encrypted token that is literally bound by zero knowledge protocol so that it effectively is unhackable, unpenetrable, and represent an ability to execute in a transaction such that I could borrow money based on this token. So once the token's presented to a lender, and we'll just use a real live case where lenders today utilize various services from FormFree, they're actually using the early stages of that NFT to capture asset income and employment data and then transfer it not only into POSs or LOSs, but also into the AUSs, DU and LP, which are using their own algorithms to ascertain lendability and literally accept or decline or ask for additional information upon receiving this. And the way that they do it, David, is really, it's fascinating how this whole thing works. The network that we created, we built the rails that these tokens move on. And we really created a space right now where what we're seeing is a market efficiency that can really transform the entire industry of mortgage lending in particular. But as NFTs are shared with AUSs, Fannie and Freddie respectively, DU and LP, their algorithms look at these NFTs and then harvest data that we reposit in our immutable data store on blockchain, and then they're getting that truth data and can make purchase decisions instantaneously. There's the truth and the truth versus trust. In the past, you've talked about how FormFree does not verify data, and I think you started touching on that, but if you could expound on that a little bit more about what you mean by you do not verify data, but you have all this data. Yeah, and I think it really expands on the truth versus trust conversation, which is the known state of our data is the truth, which means you don't need to verify it. So it's acceptable in its current state. And that's what we proved over five years working with the GSEs and receiving the honor of that day one certainty guarantee, the rep and warrant relief that was provided to lenders such that they didn't need to do any additional work, no additional verification, and could effectively receive no putback and liability associated with that particular component of the transaction. So that truth record, it's not an action of verification. It's actually an action of collecting the actual truth information, and it's being accepted as that final state as truth. No need to verify. So we cut out two or three verifications. We cut out the need for eyeballing information. Algorithms are now looking at the data in its truth state and being able to truly understand the risk characteristics and the information at a detailed level that they've never seen before. So what we're seeing is a paradigm shift in the way underwriting is being handled and expediting the process. So we're cutting days and weeks out of the underwriting process because we have truth data. So we're knowing the risk right up front. So, and I know you're starting to leverage artificial intelligence. Your business partner that we had on, Dr. Covington, brilliant. Yes. And how he got in to start explaining that. But talk about a little bit more 
expand your vision for how it expands the credit box. And the thing that really is the ultimate goal is more financial inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about component analytics, we think about vectors that are really components that assess ability to pay, willingness to pay, propensity to pay, distress, and other things. And these are all how we size up as technology firms and lenders, what kind of appetite of risk we're willing to tolerate. We want to look at data that's truthful, and then we want to assess risk based on known standards today. And the most obvious standard is really FICO. And what's interesting about FICO is when it was created, it was really novel, forward-thinking process of looking at past behaviors and assessing information that could effectively mitigate any kind of prejudices that were applied to particular borrowers. So in the 1960s, certain people couldn't get a loan based on gender, based on their medical history, or based on their political beliefs. And we really needed to make it more agnostic with respect to who these people were we were lending to and make it more about whether or not they could effectively be approved for a loan. Well, fast forward 60 years, and in the current state, technology has allowed us to look even deeper and understand even more about the consumers with less prejudice. So even though the 1960s, the prejudice was attempted to be neutralized, it still left a lot of gaps, and those gaps are now being filled. So look at one Mm -hmm. vector. So today, with digital technology and truth information, with the types of access to information we're providing and the artificial intelligence on top of that data. So we make the data intelligent by looking at large quantities of information, not only with respect to your distress vector, which is what a credit score is, but also your assets, which are your attributes of willingness, propensity, and ability to pay. And these look at all sorts of different types of data that relate to your account information and your assets, your income, your employment, and other things, and combine all of this and we can tell a richer story. But then dig even deeper into the credit attributes, the credit data itself. And we're applying artificial intelligence to understand tens of thousands of different attributes of that credit data, where we can actually determine at a very instant early stage in that profile request of that borrower who's pulling credit, a credit score of 680 could be performing like a 720. So when banks throttle or squeeze credit boxes to the degree that a 700 is the minimum that they'll take, that 680 credit score, which typically represents folks in a demographic that are racially biased, that 680 never gets a look because banks have said, hey, look, we're just not going to take the risk. We're not going to take anything less than a 700. 680s aren't even being looked at. And so this is where the whole conundrum lies with the current administration to say, hey, banks, open your credit box. And banks are saying, well, we don't want to lose more money. We have a fiduciary responsibility. So you have this tug of war, if you will, going on and where artificial intelligence helps is saying, hey, bank, look, we can show you the 680s performing like a 720 and they meet all the other criteria with asset income and employment. And we can do that instantaneously at the first touch with facial recognition from the consumer. So now you're beginning to see how all 53 million people with or without credit could qualify for some type of loan that they could afford. So we're opening up that opportunity for inclusion to anyone. And that's the form-free story. It's really about everybody borrows money at some point 
in their life and everybody has an ability to pay some amount. It's our job to quantify that and understand that and then deliver that in source documentation to the lenders. So how do you see direct source data being tokenized via the blockchain, NFTs, and other smart contracts? Yeah, it's really an extension of what we're currently doing. In a lot of ways, what we do is we capture that source data, we lock it down, replicate it, put it in immutable data stores of blockchains, and we chain it together, and then we create that profile information that's captured in the non-fungible token about the consumer. So Brent Chandler's asset, income, employment, identity, liens and judgments, public records, credit, all analyzed with artificial intelligence bound in an NFT that's encrypted in ZKP, Zero Knowledge Protocol, is sitting there. And so when Brent Chandler's ready to go into a loan experience or in a B2B experience where a lender says, hey, use this passport to collect your information and then that NFT is generated and it's shared into an exchange-like environment, whether it's an AUS, POS, LOS, but effectively they capture this token and then they enter that token and the systems are all geared through our hundreds of integrations to retrieve that data, understands where to place it in the effective systems, and we're pre-qualifying or completing that loan process. So in effect, what we're doing today are the early stages of what will be an exchange that's really where two parties come together, share information, and there's a buying agreement. With an NFT, I have a profile that says I'm good for some X hundred thousand dollars to purchase or borrow money. Boom. I share that NFT into the exchange. It goes in as a ZKP. The other side, call it a large lender, comes in and says, hey, Mr. Chandler, we are willing to work with your profile. We'd like to continue this process. We want to engage. That triggers what's known as a smart contract. Those two meet in the exchange. A smart contract happens and effectively that loan goes into process. What we have to do with the rest of the story is effectively capture the appraisal, the title, and the other components of the real estate transaction that are required for the underwriting. And that's where the underwriting systems move forward. But I will tell you that there are lots of people chasing various components of the blockchain NFT story that are in different areas. So there's a company called Proppy, which has conducted the world's first real estate transaction in an NFT. You've got companies like Figure and Providence that are actually working on blockchaining the securitization transaction that happens once a loan is completed. You have companies like ICE making moves to digitize the whole end-to-end, and they're absolutely the largest exchange in the world. So this is a process that's happening. This is the direction the industry is going. And our focus, which is so unique, David, it's still so unique. It's the passport component of the consumer, the common denominator in every loan. So it's not just relegated to mortgage. You can imagine consumers could get an auto loan. They could get a personal loan, a college loan. This NFT represents their ability to pay some amount to a lender who can say at the highest standards of government lending from Fannie and Freddie and FHFA, this consumer is acceptable at a guaranteed level. That's good for just about everybody. Yeah, it really is. It's really the consumer controlling the data. And it's not that they're giving out the data. The token opens up the ability for them to see some or all of the data, all controlled by the consumer, which is just so exciting. Talking about ICE a little earlier, they are doing so many innovative things as well. You recently announced that 3-in-1 is now directly integrated with 
Encompass. Talk about that. Yeah. So as we rolled out the next level or the next extension of asset, we included income and employment. And we're really excited about this because it's a three-in-one, we call it, and three is always better than one. But the idea is that in a single experience, that consumer can actually gather their direct source data from their asset, income, and employment. These are pay stubs, W-2s, and all their bank information in a single experience using all digital access. And so that process, that data collection and that report and that token is now tied in with Encompass environment so that anybody that's using that LOS today, and we have hundreds and hundreds of customers that are using it for account check, can now use the same process for our income and employment and use it all in one experience for the consumers. It's really this simple. When a lender wants to extend a loan and they need to gather this information to understand asset, income, and employment, and we call them the three pillars, the most critical pillars of a loan, then they now have one simple experience to go through and answer these basic questions. Where do you work? And where do you bank? And mm-hmm. we take them through the journey instantaneously. We can get it done in just a couple of minutes, gather W-2s, pay stubs, and over 12 to 24 months of bank statement information, all analyzed, verified, certified, delivered up in a single report into the LOS. And consumers have a fabulous experience and lenders get the job done that they need and meet all the criteria. It's really exciting to have the Encompass team and the folks at ICE really not only appreciate the work that we do with them, they're fabulous partners with us. And we have built great relationships with them over the years. Love what they're doing with ICE and love being a part of that story and enhancing the value proposition to their customers. Yeah, I'm going to just fill in a couple blanks for some of our listeners. We have a number of listeners, Brent, that are new to the industry. And I need to just put this little footnote in. They may not be aware of that ICE Continental Exchange. That's their acronym is ICE, and they bought Encompass, Ellie Mays Encompass. So those of you that are new to the industry are not connecting those dots. So Encompass is now owned by the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange, and our industry works at the speed of a glacier, it seems like at times. And when you look at the velocity of ICE and the transactions that happen volume-wise and the velocity and the rate at which they all happen in a New York stock exchange, how much can they bring? The fact that you're connecting with them, Brent, is really, really exciting. You know, talk a little bit more about how 3-in-1 helps servicers give a leg up with the borrower when it comes to mortgage assistance applications. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the servicing space is really getting a lot of visibility today. We know forbearance is ending in September, and there's quite a few millions of loans that are still in forbearance and coming out, and that's a good thing. And quite frankly, we want to help those that are in distress. So the number of those loans that are in forbearance, I think there's two and a half million loans approximately that are in forbearance and over 1.75 million of them are currently in some delinquency state of 90 to 120 days. And so what that means is these borrowers are going to need some help. They're going to need to either modify their existing loans, refi them, or get some assistance from their lenders. And so we're reaching out to servicers all over the land, offering our help with our application, which can, again, instantaneously assess a current borrower's ability to pay. So with that, what we're saying is, let us help 
we want to go in and we don't want to go through what we saw in 2008, which was this long drawn out process to do mods and help and assist borrowers. It took years to get all the paperwork and the applications manually processed and then ultimately to get the help that they needed. So we think there's a better way to do it. We can utilize the technology, get in front of these consumers instantaneously and help those lenders understand how they can best work with these borrowers to keep them in their homes, modify these loans and or help them in the right direction education, et cetera. So yeah, we're really excited about how the technology is really helping people, right? So as you said, I think it's a funny pun with ICE, but you know, the industries it's really making an effort to do the right thing and help the consumers. And along the way, they're looking at technology to really lead that effort. So when Fannie Mae announced that they would accept digital verification providers for servicers, that they would allow servicers to use digital verification, it was a huge boon in the guidelines and the processes that you know, a lot of these servicers haven't really had to do a lot that required them to be as forward edge with their technology. And they're still relatively antiquated and manual. And what we're seeing is how we can help instantaneously. And thanks to the GSEs, I mentioned Fannie, but I would also say that Freddie's been accepting digital for a long time in the servicing space. So they were quick to respond to me <laughs> as we did some LinkedIn announcements about the Fannie that they too support digital. So it's a really coming of age where technology meets opportunity as well as creates better efficiencies. And the way we create more inclusion in our country and really create stability and fairness is by creating better market efficiencies. You know, you talk about market efficiencies and one thing that's clearly happening is we're seeing a lot of consolidation with our industry, both from an origination standpoint, but certainly and most announcements seem to be coming out about technology consolidation. Talk about that. What's your perspective on this trend? Yeah, I've been watching this trend for over a decade. And it's interesting, David, is like in 1996, I was part of this trend again, and we were pioneers in building online brokerage. And and I watched the pioneers to the early adopter stage, to the what we call the fragmented stage, to the consolidation phase, to the plateau, and then the latecomers. So we're really in in an evolutionary curve, it's a sine wave, it's a bell curve that actually we're in the consolidation phase and we started late 2020 into 2021 and we've seen an unprecedented amount of consolidation in technology. And the reason is I think it's the new guard, right? So a lot of these newcomers in the fragmentation stage got gobbled up, saw valuations go through the roof. We saw opportunities open up and a lot of just really cutting edge technology hit the scene and the larger lenders and underwriters and processors could all take advantage of some of these smaller startups. And some of these companies have gone on to do great things as standalone. So I think that what we're in is the consolidation phase of this evolutionary curve, which means we're nearing kind of the end of the evolution. It'll always continue to evolve in mortgage for sure until we reach the end state, which is the end-to-end digital transaction and an exchange. So the consolidation phase could go on for five years or so, but it will, I think, kind of plateau into some stability where we see, okay, all the pieces are in place and now we can create the more market efficiency and stabilize kind of this path forward. And it will look different than it's ever looked before. And we can already see it in pieces, but as we consolidate, we're going to see these pieces become more end-to-end and the mortgage industry will evolve much like the brokerage industry did and become a transaction with loan advisors assisting borrowers in relationships, guiding them through that journey of getting a loan. 
But the transaction itself, to me, it's going to happen from an end-to-end NFT smart contract exchange because the data is so true. And it's going to be much like cryptocurrency processes and real-world transactions tokens. I might just build on that for one second. Because I think that one could ask with that, hey, Brent, wait a second. I mean, if the mortgage industry is kind of nearing, you know, we're in the consolidation phase in the next phase, which again is going to be continued growth and et cetera, and new additions along the way, but plateauing to some degree and stabilizing, where does that leave form free? So I'm kind of excited about how we view our jumping off point as mortgage. We are a lending company. We're a lending financial technology company. So we enhance, make credit happen. With that, while mortgage lending is the space that most people know us in, we're also in auto, we're also in rental, we're in personal loans, and we're looking into servicing and some other things. So it's anywhere that consumer needs credit is how we help facilitate that transaction. And that evolutionary curve, it's in the early stages of getting out of the pioneer into the early adopter stage for that particular bell curve. So we're pretty excited about where we sit in that one. Mortgage, that's, you know, Blend is an end-to-end mortgage company. Some of these other companies, Simple Nexus, and I think Loan Logics just got acquired. So a lot of the consolidation that's happening in this space, very much focused on mortgage. We are very much focused on lending. Bigger picture, much broader. It goes into the, all the other channels, all the other verticals of lending, which is a much broader space. I think that's why you're so well positioned. I had someone contact me, an investor, specifically after our last interview with Dr. Cunningham. And they go, is this publicly traded? What's the symbol? I want to start investing in it. So we have others that are listening to it. And your vision, Brent, is very, very exciting. And one of the things that I want to clarify again, touch on this in previous podcasts, but this actually is a complement to day one certainty. It does not do away with day one certainty. These are just pieces that are all coming together to streamline an end-to-end electronic transaction for the consumer, which should make a much, much more pleasing experience for the consumer, assuming we have any housing inventory left to purchase and finance. But that will get solved as well. But it's really exciting, the days we're living in, Brent. Really exciting. It's so fun to be a part of you and see what you're doing. The vision is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that day one is an AIM aim over at Freddie. These are sort of what I would call the government seals of approval of the highest attestation you can get with respect to receiving and delivering data for a loan. It's like a guarantee. It's like insurance. <laughs> it is. It is insurance. I mean, it removes liability. So what lenders get, ultimately, the end game, I think, is to really go end to end from Knowing who the borrower is, knowing they can afford it on every aspect, asset income, employment, liens in judgments, credit, et cetera, and then knowing that the property is what it states it to be and the appraisal's right and all the documents are e-signed and tucked away nicely, this can all happen digitally. And that loan could effectively go day one in AIM. So I think that's Nirvana state. And I think that's really what the aim is, is to get to that state across the board for all the blocks in the chain. And it really is. I got to give props to the GSEs. I mean, they're big behemoth organizations, but their innovation and their look forward is really amazing. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at what could have happened if they would have been spun off. That doesn't look like that's happening now with the most recent ruling. And so good to see that they're going to be staying put inside the 
the federal government. And while that can challenge innovation, we don't typically see innovation coming out of anything that's inside a federal agency or federal government, but they have done some very effective things while in conservatorship. And I love the fact that you have the partnership that you do with both agencies. What's going on with Janie May or HUD? Any movement in the government lending space? You know, I mean, again, I think it's kind of fast followers to some degree. And what we find with FHA, HUD, VA, et cetera, is just simply that they do kind of wait for and actually use some of the same systems. So they look to Fannie and Freddie to kind of lead the charge and get in line. So they're all adopting the same digital strategies. You know, they're just different budgets and funding, et cetera. But yeah, I think they're all in line. I think that the industry is also looking at non-agency type non-QM loans. So we see a huge opportunity with non-QM and jumbos with respect to the same data efficacy. You know, it really does open up all these different opportunities because, you know, when you start thinking about non-QM, they're not regulated by the same guidelines. So there's a lot more personal private capital that's being extended here. So they take same level of scrutiny and sometimes higher, and they want to do it based on asset rather than other types of W-2 or pay stub type validation. So yeah, those types of loans are opening up more and more with the caps on the GSEs, et cetera. So yeah, at the end of the day, we're here to facilitate in the most efficient way possible, purchasers, borrowers, consumers borrowing to buy homes. We want to help facilitate that transaction in the most enjoyable experience possible, in the most expedient way possible, in the safest way possible with the highest validity of data. That's exciting. You're doing so much. And uh, I think your vision is in line with the future. It's very exciting. Brent, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Can't wait to get you back on. Every time we get in one of these, I go, how fast the time does travel. I love the values. It's about the people and about consumers, what you're doing with a passbook and really helping discern the difference between truth and trust. Oh, so exciting. Thank you so much, Brent, for being here today. Appreciate it. David, thank you so much. And I'll just say this as we part. It really is about empowering people. We love sharing our efforts with everyone. And, you know, I just say, enjoy the journey. And on your journey, you will find a wondrous station called life. Relax and enjoy the hospitality and beauty. That's so good. Take care. Great. Thank you so much, Brent. I like a little philosophy at the end. That was a good job, Brent. Good interview. I enjoyed recording that last week. We've got some great upcoming podcast listeners. I am so excited about the content that we are creating here and sharing with you. We're recording it and we're editing it and doing all the things we need to do on our side to deliver quality. But it's really interesting, some of the interviews that we have upcoming. So stay tuned. Share this podcast with others. Next week, we've got Ken Perry coming on, owner of the Broker Knowledge Group and the president and founder of Knowledge Coop. Love these guys. I love what they do and the way they educate It's true edutainment. If you do not know what that is, go Google that. It's where you bring together education and entertainment. He does a masterful job of it, and he's become a great friend, and I use his platform for my business. So anyway, check out podcast that's coming up next week. He'll be live with us. And that's always entertaining. So I want to say a special thank you again to our sponsors, Finastra, the CMLA or the Community Mortgage Lenders Association of America, as well as Lenders One, Incelerate, Mobility, MMI, Modex, as well as MBA, the Knowledge Coop, and the Mortgage Collaborative. Thank you so much, sponsors, for making this podcast possible. Thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen and share this podcast with others. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.